This week on the Dylan and Dylan Show, the guys draft the best rivalries in the out-of-the-box draft. Question A covers the Heisman race as well as the Lions Thanksgiving tradition. And the guys tell each other what they're thankful for this year. This week in sports covers a couple of 10-year contracts as well as the picks for the Iron Bowl, Bedlam, and the game. Tunnel Vision Sports, happy to be along with you for whenever you may be listening to this podcast, whether it be uh, on your drive to your grandparents' house, maybe you're waiting for the turkey to get done, maybe the lions are already getting blown out, and you thought it was a perfect time to get your weekly podcast in. Anyway, you slice it, we're happy to be along with you for this week's episode. Dylan Jesperson here, alongside Dylan Holt. Dylan, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing fantastic. Um, Happy Thanksgiving. I, I had to bring this up because I saw it earlier this week and I didn't want to tweet about it. I didn't want to text anyone about it. I had to save it to talk about it here. This graphic went sort of viral on NBA Twitter. It was from, 90, I'm going to say it was 97-ish, 97, 98-ish, after Michael Jordan came back uh, to basketball. Uh, he came back March 19th, 1995. And his first 115 games back, the Bulls were 115. And as people have known listening to the show, I love these crazy graphics that um, ESPN or ABC or whoever puts up. 115 is absurd as a record in 115 games. MJ averaged 30 points, shot nearly 44% from three, uh, and almost made half his buckets. Just absolutely crazy stuff. And I, I had to bring it up just for the just craziness of that. And I was like, this needs to be talked about more. So I feel like we like we saw the last dance last year, like all the Michael praise, but I don't know. I don't. I just don't think I've appreciated Michael enough, being someone that didn't really get to grow up with it. But yeah, that that's just absurd. And then uh, I wanted to wish happy trails to Adrian Peterson, who I was very excited was a Tennessee Titan. He no longer is. They cut him. Uh, he'll, he'll go in the Titan legend realm with Randy Moss in my mind now. Randy Moss, Adrian Peterson, Titans forever. Uh, excited for a very very, very fun. Thanksgiving episode of the Dylan and Dylan show. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing all right. Uh, like I said before we got on and started recording, the, the week of Thanksgiving has become extra interesting on the sports side of my life uh, ever since they moved the Michigan-Ohio State game to after Thanksgiving because, you know, I'm, I'm used to the Lions getting run off the field on Thanksgiving Day, uh, and we'll get into that in a little bit, but uh, you followed up with the biggest game of the year for Michigan every year. And it's hard to like deal with the emotions of like expecting a blowout on one end and then like hoping for the best, but also expecting the worst on the other end. It's, it's interesting. It's hard to deal with, but 
on the same token, Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays. So I'm hoping everyone's enjoying theirs as much as I'm going to be enjoying mine, because uh, regardless of what the sports brings to me, I'll, I'll find a way to enjoy Thanksgiving for sure. Uh, quick reminder to follow the Tunnel Vision Sports Network wherever you find your podcast. That way you will never miss an episode. Uh, it is Thanksgiving week, but it is also rivalry week in the college football world as the biggest games on the schedule for many teams are on the docket this weekend. We thought it would be a perfect opportunity to do a best rivalries draft. So that's what we were doing for this week's out of the box draft. We will draft a list of matchups throughout all of sports that we think encapsulates the word rivalry. Uh, Dylan's got the heads already going. So he's got it already. Uh, Love to see it. What what would you like for your pick this week? I'm going to go two and three. Okay. I'm going to go two and three. I'll give you the first pick. That's a solid pick because I'm going to go with the bias pick right off the bat. I'm going to take the Michigan and Ohio State game. I'll get it off the bat, get it off the board real quickly. Uh, I've got the most written down about it, so I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure I get all of my stuff out about Michigan and Ohio State. Uh, I, I think for people that don't grow up in the rivalry, you might not be aware of just like how deep the rivalry goes. You might not know we basically fought a war between the two states, the Michigan, Ohio, the Toledo war, uh, no battles were fought, but the militias were activated. Uh, it was all around, uh, based around the Toledo strip, which as you might figure out is part of Ohio. Now is the Northern part of Ohio. Um, they eventually did get the Toledo strip, but we got the majority of the uh, upper peninsula, which ended up being a solid deal. But, uh, very soon after that is when football started. And that's why this rivalry has so much passion behind it. It's like there was a war that that was about to happen between these two states. And then all of a sudden we just got to play football against each other, which is basically back then it was just, that was just war in a, in a, on a field. That was what they used to call it. It was like organized war uh, was what old football was before the forward pass. So um it is just ingrained. There's so much history behind this, uh, this rivalry. Uh, like the Ohio state alma mater was written after an 86 to nothing blowout by Michigan. Uh, the script Ohio was invented by the Michigan marching band. I mean, almost every part of Michigan and Ohio state like goes back to this rivalry uh, and all, all the way back to the Woody Hayes, the both Schembechler days, uh, both, you know, obviously one of the greatest rivalries encapsulated in a 10-year span. Uh, and if you haven't read more about that or learned more about that, I, I suggest you go back and look at it. But uh, it's it's impossible for me to grow up in this rivalry and not pick it number one overall. Uh, there's so many things that I could go into. I could go on and on and on about the history of this rivalry, but uh, it might not seem like it as of late but it is one of the most passionate rivalries in all of sports. And I had to take it for number one overall, especially with, uh, you know, the, the, the magnitude it has this weekend. Uh, and we'll get into that later, but I'll throw it to you for your, your first two picks. I figured you would go with Michigan Ohio state. That's why I was very comfortable with giving you the first pick. And it's very deserving of the first pick. Um, as someone that grew up, not really a big 10 country, more focused on sec growing up. I always remember Michigan and Ohio State playing because it was like, okay, this is a big one. And the big ones always stood out. Like North Carolina Duke, which I'm sure one of us will end up picking, that's a rivalry that sticks out in college basketball. Even if you're not a UNC or Duke fan or an ACC fan, it's one that every year when it comes around, you're like, holy cow, it's it's these two teams on the court. What's going to happen? There's always that clip of Tyler, hands both the blood. But we'll talk about that later, maybe. I don't know. Um, with my first pick, 
I'm going to go to professional sports. I'm going to go to baseball. Um, I'm going to the New York Yankees and the Boston Red Sox, which might surprise some people that I'm picking that over a different baseball rivalry. But I think that's that's the the cream of the crop, the top tier uh, baseball rivalry, which kind of hurts my soul because I'm sure everyone knows what rivalry I'm alluding to. Um, but Yankees, Red Sox, that, that's like the thing. That's like good versus evil. Like these two teams hate each other. The fan bases hate each other. It's a, even if you're not like the biggest, like diehard baseball fan, you hear Yankees, Red Sox on Fox or ESPN. You're like, okay, I got to tune in. They're going to put on a show. That's how it is every year. Um, when I meet in the playoffs, it's fireworks. It's just two of the most winning teams ever. And they, they were super prideful. They, both fan bases love their team so, so much. Uh, the players are very, very prideful playing for the Yankees, playing for the Red Sox, playing for New York, playing for Boston. So there's just a lot of dynamics there that just make it so personal for the players, the fans, the coaches, the management, everything that's been going on forever. So I, I think kind of just encapsulate, encapsulates everything that has to do with rivalries. So yeah, got to go Yankees, Red Sox first. And then with my second pick, I'm going to stay in Boston. I'm going to switch lanes in a different sport, though. I'm going to go basketball. I'm going to Boston Celtics and LA Lakers. Because like uh, Yankees, Red Sox, uh, Celtics, Lakers, that's just the cream of the crop in basketball. It's it's what you think of when you think of the NBA, at least me anyways. When I think of the NBA, I'm thinking Lakers, I'm thinking Celtics. I'm thinking them just being the top teams in the league, just going at it. And I think of – I when I when I think of Kobe, like we talked about Kobe quite a bit. Um, when I think of Kobe, I'm thinking of him going against like Paul Pierce. And they're just having battles in the Staples. So we talked about the Staples Center a lot last week. Kobe going out with Paul Pierce and Rondo and KG and Ray Allen and just those battles in the finals. Um, and then it, it's so much more than that, too. We've got now – we might be getting into a new history of Lakers-Celtics because the Celtics have a really good young crop. The Lakers have an older uh, group that you never know what can happen. Those teams could very likely meet uh, in the finals in coming years, which is exciting because it's Lakers-Celtics. Uh, they've met in the finals a million times. It feels like they both – they have the most championships in the NBA by quite a bit. Uh, they're two of the older teams. Uh, they just – it's what rivalry is all about. They they hate each other. There's a really, really good uh, special ESPN did a few years ago where they broke down the rivalry. It's awesome. They've got Boston people talking about the Celtics side, L.A. people talking about the Lakers side. Very, very good. If you haven't seen it, definitely check it out because it kind of gets you to appreciate it more if you're not a Lakers guy, Celtics guy. Um, I think anyone can appreciate that rivalry. They always put on a show. Uh, so that's why I had to pick a second to go with uh, Yankees, Red Sox at one. Who do you have with your next two picks? You got uh, to love both of those picks. I mean, those are the the, the, the top dogs in both of those sports. Uh, and obviously both on my list, uh, both on my alternates list, I had some better, I, I'm not going to say better ones. They all are up there and you're splitting hairs with a lot of these, but I had some other ones in my top four. Uh, with my second pick, I'm going with the Iron Bowl. Uh, I'm no SEC guy, but nothing gets me quite fired up like a top 10 matchup between Auburn and Alabama. Uh, even when, even like in this year, when Auburn seems to be just terrible and have no chance, I still don't, can't chalk it up as an 100% win for, for Alabama. I just feel like there's been so many moments where Auburn's just given them a run for their money and given them, and as long as they have at least a bit of talent that can compete, I think they'll do whatever they can to compete in that game. Uh, it's not like the Michigan Ohio state has been in the past few years. Uh, very rarely does one team blow out the other 
either way. Uh, and that's saying something for how good Alabama has been and Auburn's been able to compete with them for the past few years. Um, and in our, in our young sports lives, it's given us probably like some of the best moments, like top 10 moments. The kick six is maybe one of the best moments of all time. The cam back uh, when he brought Auburn all the way back, uh, that 2017 upset that Auburn pulled off against that. I mean, I mean, the list goes on and on of things that we've seen already. Uh, it's given us a lot of great moments, and I just don't think there's any denying that recently it's the best college football rivalry. I think overall Michigan-Ohio State still has that that aura of it, but recently I don't think there's any question that uh, Auburn and Alabama and the Iron Bowl has taken it over. So happy to have it right there along with it. And, and number three, I've got a little bit of a different one. It's a little bit unorthodox. I'm going with the Detroit Pistons versus the Goats of the NBA because it doesn't matter what era you've been in. The Detroit Pistons has had a rivalry with that era's Goat. You can go back to Bird and Magic because the, the bad boys first started fighting with Bird and that, that Celtics team uh, and then Magic Johnson and Kareem on that Lakers team after that. Uh, and then obviously well-documented how much M- Michael Jordan and the Pistons did not like each other. Uh, if you saw the the, um, the Last Dance documentary, he did not speak highly of Isaiah Thomas. My, uh, Michael Jordan did not speak highly of uh, Isaiah Thomas back then. Uh, and then you just saw recently uh, LeBron James on the court against Isaiah Stewart going at it. And I, I think that just like confirmed like a silent I've always had the feeling that LeBron silently hated the Pistons it's, it goes back to that 48 point game that he dropped on us in that playoff game I've always felt like he's not going to say it out loud because that's just not who LeBron is but he quietly does not like that franchise and would do anything he can to make sure that franchise does not win games uh and that was like the, uh, there's a 20 year old kid from the Pistons that's grabbing on my jersey there's no other team I expect LeBron to throw that elbow against than, than the Pistons and Isaiah Stewart. And so I just think that confirmed like this Pistons team, no matter, unless we have the greatest player on the planet on our team, which we could, if Kate Cunningham somehow slips into that spot in the next few years, uh, we will always be the main arrival of the greatest player on the planet, which I'm fine with. I think it's awesome. It, it makes me, it definitely makes me want to watch the next time the Lakers and the Pistons play, even though they're on two different stratospheres of talent level right now. So I think it's, it's a very interesting dynamic to have as a franchise and I'm, I'm all for it right now. I think that's one of the cool things about sports. So uh, I got, I'll add the Pistons and the goats uh, as a rivalry along with the iron bowl to my list. I'll throw it to you for your next two picks. I could not, as a Tennessee fan, pick the Iron Bowl. I just couldn't. I My hatred for Alabama runs too deep. Like, I, I was telling one of my buddies, I covered the Alabama-Arkansas game last week, and it was hard. I, I, I had to just praise Alabama pretty much because they looked great. We're going to talk about Bryce Young later, but he looked awesome. I was like, this is killing my soul having to do this. But you got to do what you got to do. Uh, Murray State just got a big win, breaking news. Beat James Madison by 12. Shout out to the racers. Uh, won't get sidetracked again. Try not to at least. Shoes up. Uh, but couldn't couldn't pick the Iron Bowl. It is an awesome rivalry. It deserves Peter, but I couldn't pick it. Uh, and then I really like the Detroit versus the Goats because it's fresh in the mind. We all know the MJ stuff. And then LeBron trying to kill Isaiah Stewart was very, very, very fresh in the mind as I happened over the weekend. Um, with my third pick, I guess I'm going to go with the one I talked about. I'm going to go UNC Duke. I think um, when you talk about college basketball rivalries, it's right up there with 
the the, the college basketball rivalry I'm not going to talk about because I don't like one of those teams. Uh, UNC Duke is awesome. It's I've never really cared about either North Carolina or Duke. Being a Tennessee fan, I I don't care. I it's it's the kind of irrelevant to me. We talked to our, uh, my friend Trey over the summer. Uh, once Trey went to Duke, I was like, all right, I guess I root for Duke in football. So I've had some years of rooting for Duke when they play UNC in football. It's all like, even in football, like basketball is what the rivalry is known for because they're two of the best basketball programs ever in college basketball. They produce all these stars. UNC has Michael Jordan, who keeps being brought up today. But I mean, they have Michael Jordan on their, uh, on their rosters in the 80s. Um, but even in basketball, the hatreds there, they're like not far apart from each other at all. I can't remember the exact mileage, but they're like right there. North Carolina is not a big state at all. All the colleges are in that little like pentagon around each other. It's it's weird. North Carolina, they've got all those schools. But UNC Duke, the main rivalry, uh, and they just go at it in basketball. They get all these big time recruits. Um, and the picture that always just comes to my head, it feels like they're playing at nine o'clock on a Tuesday. And they're showing the highlights. It's Tyler Hansbrough's got that bloody face. And it's like, all right, let's go. Let's watch some basketball. And then they show all the buzzer beaters, all the crazy things. Zion is now added to it. You can see Michael Jordan, Zion, uh, and just all the other players sprinkled in. It's a great, just a great time watching basketball. Uh, I have to imagine the atmosphere uh, at either Chapel Hill or um, Durham is just amazing for those games. And then add on to that, they play in the ACC tournament all the time. So just uh, turn it up just that much more for postseason play. Absolutely fantastic rivalry. Uh, can't go wrong watching one of those games. I'm sure attending one is absolutely incredible. Um, so I add that at third uh, with my third pick, UNC Duke. For fourth, I'm going bias. And I've got three bias choices. And I don't know which one to pick. Um, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with my unorthodox one because you went unorthodox, so you've inspired me. I'm going to go with the Mannings, Peyton and Eli, against Tom Brady. Um, growing up, I, which I've very much shifted in the past couple of years, I hated Tom Brady because I knew in my head my dad preached it to me. Tom Brady is the enemy of Peyton and Eli. And I was like, all right, that's all you got to say. I was a Peyton guy. I'll always be a Peyton guy. If Tom Brady's the enemy, say less. Um, and I think it's uh, kind of Peyton and Eli, I, it's kind of if you take them out of the equation, how much greater is Tom Brady? Because Eli took away two of the Super Bowls, so you can add two Super Bowls if, hypothetically, if Eli's not playing, I mean, anything happened, any given Sunday, yada, yada, yada. Uh, Peyton did all kinds of stuff with Tom. They played all the time. It seems like they were always playing in the playoffs played in the regular season all the time. They're always going at it. Uh, Peyton stole plenty of MVPs from Tom. Uh, so just wrecking havoc on Tom, being a nice little uh, needle on his side. Um, and it's kind of the, you think about, at least for me, when I think about the NFL, I think about Peyton, I think about Tom. Uh, and like, if you think about me in basketball, I think LeBron and Kobe. There's always two guys, it seems like. Baseball, Derek Jeter is what pops in my head. And then if I'm thinking of another guy, it's Pujols. They didn't really go at it much, but that's beside the point. Um, Peyton and Tom just went at it nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. And it feels like Peyton's little brother probably did the most numbers on Tom when they got to those Super Bowls. And it's like, oh, it's just Eli Manning. 
Tom Brady's got the greatest things ever, and Eli just would go out there and throw it to David Tyree. David Tyree would make the greatest catch ever, and they'd somehow beat the unbeatable Patriots because the Giants, I don't, I still don't understand those. I was, we were much younger when those happened, those games happened, and they, looking back at, back at them now, they still make zero sense, which is fine because uh, it makes for great memories, made for a great rivalry. And I, I think one of the great things is it's still going. Tom's still playing. Peyton and Eli are both out, but they still throw jabs. Uh, all three of them throw jabs at each other. Uh, Peyton and Eli throw jabs at one another, which it's like, hey, dogs, you're on the same side. You're the Mannings. You're teaming up on Tom. But, hey, it happens. Uh, Peyton and Tom played in the match uh, during the pandemic, which was awesome. Got me to watch golf, which if you can get me to do that, you know there's there's some friction there because I do not care about golf. That's one thing I love sports with golf. It takes a lot for me to get interested. Either guy, Tiger Woods doing awesome, but give me the Peyton Tom rivalry on the grass and all, or on the green, and I'll tune in. Uh, but yeah, it's just something that's kind of defined sports in my life. Uh, Peyton and Tom, Eli and Tom. It's just kind of how it fits. So yeah, I'll take the Mannings versus Tom, uh, UNC Duke uh, to join my other two. Who you guys, your last pick? Yeah, I love both of those picks. I had UNC Duke in my top four, so I'm going to have to go to one of my alternates. But uh, you bring up a good point. I think I think Peyton more than, than Eli kind of pushed Tom more than anything. I think that rivalry, well, it's certainly a rivalry was more of like a, these are the two best quarterbacks in the league. And I don't think either of them would have been – yeah, any is good if they weren't competing with each other. I don't. I think that was a big part of it. Where I do think Eli just straight up stole a couple Super Bowls from Tom. Like I think those were his Super Bowls, and he just straight up stole them. And you know that's that will be part of Tom's legacy forever. Is that you know he was great. He was the greatest winner, but he could never get past Eli Manning. <laughs> um, for my last pick, I'm going. I have to go into my alternates, and this is the one alternate I wrote a ton about. And I saw it on the Bleacher Report uh, article, and I had to get it on there because I know it's a big rivalry. I didn't know it was nationally as known as it was until I did the research. This is a local Michigan rivalry. It is D3 men's basketball. It's the Hope Flying Dutch versus the Calvin Knights. Uh, They first started playing basketball in 1920 and have since played over 200 times. Uh, and if you find any like real list of rivalries, if you've, because I'm sure you did the research, you'll find it on there. It was number 87 on Bleacher Reports. In 2005, ESPN had it as the fourth biggest college basketball rivalry in the country. That's, I mean, that just shows you how big and how uh, it's a big deal here uh, between those two schools. Uh, I, I really, it, it's just super historic. I knew it was a big rivalry. And then I started seeing it in all of these different places when I started doing the research and I was like, all right, this is real. This is a real thing. I didn't know it was actually, I knew it got heated when that game was played. I didn't realize it was this historic and this. So I I had to have it on the list. I think it was just perfect to to round out my list. It's a little bit biased, but I think uh, do your research. If you're a big sports history fan, the Hope Flying Dutch and the Calvin Knights, it's, a, it's an interesting story uh, for sure. And I'm happy to have it on my list of rivalries. Uh, and I'm happy to have it uh, to join uh, alongside the Pistons versus the Goats, the Iron Bowl and Michigan versus Ohio State. Uh, Dylan, did you have any alternates that didn't make your list? I sure did. I have quite a few. Um, obviously, the St. Louis Cardinals and Chicago Cubs, 
Um, that one didn't make my list, but I think very, very highly of that uh, rivalry. It's right behind Yankees Red Sox in my mind, but I think Yankees Red Sox gets the gets the edge just a little bit. Um, Murray State and Belmont in basketball. It's a very, very young rivalry, but I think it's just getting started. I think Murray's going to follow Belmont from the OVC to the Missouri Valley, so that's just going to grow even more. Um, I've got the Detroit Lions versus winning. Uh, had to throw that one in there. I've got the University of Tennessee against stability. I've got USA Mexico in soccer. Um, I've got Army Navy, Harvard Yale, and uh, Kentucky Wolf. Those are all of my alternates. Did you have any more alternates? Yeah, yeah, you listed a bunch of them. Uh, Red Sox, Yankees, Army, Navy, Lakers, Celtics. I had Dodgers, Giants down. Uh, Red Wings, Avalanche. Also, if I had to go to it, uh, it, it's not as much a rivalry anymore. It's one of the it's one of the weird rivalries where it was really heated for a few years and then it kind of died out. Now the franchises kind of respect each other, but it was at the time one of the most heated rivalries in all sports. Uh, and even I knew that as a non-hockey fan growing up. So. Uh, that was one. And then Real Madrid, Barcelona was the other one I had in there. And Michigan, Michigan State, too, just uh, in case I really needed another alternate. But uh, awesome stuff, as always. Be sure to stay tuned to our social media to help us decide the better list of rivalries. Uh, next up, the Q&A segment. I'll jump right into my question. Uh, after two dynamite performances from the top two candidates in the Heisman race, we need to get our opinions on the record before the right regular final regular season games get underway. So Dylan, CJ Stroud threw for 432 yards, six touchdowns, almost all of that in the first half against Michigan State in their blowout win last week. While Bryce Young threw for 559 yards, five touchdowns as they squeaked by Arkansas. Uh, and I want to hear your thoughts as of right now. Who is your Heisman Trophy front runner between Bryce Young uh, and CJ Stroud? CJ. Um, I I think Bryce Young's very good. And I get to cover all the Alabama game last week. I, I just kind of flipped over to the Ohio State, Michigan State game every once in a while. I watched the beginning and it's like, okay, Ohio State's just gonna run away with it. I was like, this is not fair. I'm not gonna watch all this. This I'm not gonna watch Michigan State's funeral. This doesn't be, just feel right. Um I just think uh I, I've seen a lot of people saying, well, Bryce Young did it over uh, a full game. He had he had to go against a better pass defense. All this stuff, and I don't know if really Arkansas pass defense is that much better. Yeah, Michigan State's pass defense is bad. It's number one hundred and thirty in the country. Arkansas sixty seven. It's not like oh the, the dominant pass defense sixty seven. Like that's not very good. Um, and it took Bryce Young a full game, and they still barely won after he threw for 559 yards and five touchdowns, three of them to Jamison Williams, Ohio State transfer. I, I Coming out of that game, like I know Bryce Young broke uh, Scott Hunter's passing record for Alabama, did it with 11 minutes remaining in the fourth quarter. That's very impressive. I think the more impressive uh, performance was Jamison Williams. He had three touchdowns, three of the five. It's harder to score touchdowns as a wide receiver if you didn't know because the quarterback has to throw it to him. So three touchdowns, three out of five, that's pretty good. Um, the fact that CJ did it mostly in the first half is absurd. Um, and it's kind of what he's done all year. And I feel like people haven't paid attention to that because they lost the Oregon and people are like, oh, Ohio State sucks. They don't. We've been trying to say it, but they do not suck. Uh, and there's some interesting stats about how 
the playing time has kind of evened out between the two, these two guys. Because Bryce Young, he's played 40 quarters this season out of a possible 44. That's most of all the quarters. He didn't play against a quarter against like New Mexico State and school like that. CJ has only played 36 out of possible 44. That's eight less quarters. Good old basic math. Uh, Bryce has only thrown 166 more yards, 116, excuse me, and two more touchdowns. That's not that much when you've got quite a bit more playing time. Um, um, Fourth quarter last Saturday against Arkansas, uh, Bryce threw for 80 yards and a touchdown. That's it. So, I mean, just with a lot more playing time, he didn't do all that much more. They, they barely held on to beat Arkansas, which I think, personally, Michigan State's better than Arkansas. But I, I, I can get the, I get the point of Arkansas's got a better pass defense. It, their pass defense is not very good. It, I don't think it really matters. I think if you throw C.J. Shroud and uh, Ohio State's offense out there against Arkansas, they probably do the exact same thing they did to Michigan State. I don't think it really matters. When that Ohio State offense, it looks like when it gets rolling, I don't know if many people would stop them, which is exciting because we've been talking about a defense all year in Athens, Georgia, that's like, well, no one can score on them. We're getting real close to having an Ohio State-Georgia matchup, and that would be a ton of fun. But we're not going to get ahead to that. I'm going with C.J. Stroud right now. I think he's the man. I, Unfortunately for you, he's probably going to have another big weekend and go to New York and get a trophy, which I would not have thought however many weeks ago when they played Oregon. It's been 10 weeks now, something like that, eight weeks. It's been a while. Um, and I thought we, we sat here after week one, we're like, Bryce Young's going to walk away with it. And I just – I don't think that's the, the case now. But um, I would like to hear your opinion about uh, Mr. C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard for me to even, like, like this this Heisman race has just been torture for me this year because for almost, like, the last – since Michigan, Michigan State played, Kenneth Walker was the front runner, and now it's basically C.J. Stroud's taking over. So it's like, Michigan State running back's going to win? No, it's going to be the Ohio State quarterback. That's cool. Uh, uh, I I think Stroud's the front runner right now. I don't think it's, like – I think their talent levels and even their seasons is splitting hairs. I think they're so close. They're both freshmen. They're doing, they're doing a lot for one loss teams. Uh, and you know, you look at it, they put up similar numbers against similarly bad teams. I, I think CJ's was a little bit more impressive because he did in the first half, but uh, also not as impressive because Michigan state's past defense is horrendous. I mean, they do, there's a big, there's a lot of problems, not just in their secondary, but in their pass rush. And it just, it, it was a big, uh, a lot of things came together for CJ last week. I, I, I think that performance still has him above Bryce Young, in my opinion, uh, and his path is clear. I mean, if he goes in and dominates Michigan this week, I think he's going to walk away with it most likely. It doesn't really matter what Bryce Young does against Auburn. If he, if he does what he did against MSU, against us in Ann Arbor, it's going to, I mean, you could give him the trophy then. Um, that being said, though, and Allen and Ann Arbor and a sloppy performance, and and it's it could eliminate him. I mean, he's a freshman quarterback. You you don't know how he's going to respond against you know the two best pass rushers in the Big Ten, along with you know he's going on the road for his biggest game this year. I mean, he already lost a game on, at home against a, a, a similarly uh, set up team without their best pass rushers. So um, I think you know it's. The path for C.J. Stroud's clear. I think 
in his recent performances has put him above Bryce Young, in my opinion. I think those two are like the clear one of them is going to win the Heisman at this point. It's just going to be, and I wrote this in my Heisman watch article, I think last week, it's, uh, it's really just going to, if one of these teams makes the playoff and the other one doesn't, I mean, that quarterback's going to win the Heisman. That's kind of how it goes. If Ohio state stumbles in the big 10 turn in the big 10 championship game and Bama upsets all, uh, Georgia and Bryce Young has a good, I mean, he's going to win the Heisman. I mean, there's just no, a lot of this is narrative based and, um, a lot of the big narratives have yet to be written yet. So it's tough to say, like, we have to wait. I hate to be the guy that says we got to wait and see, but they're freshmen. We got to wait and see. I mean, Bryce Young could look terrible against Georgia, or he could light them up for 300, 400 yards. And we're like, oh, my God, how did we think C.J. Stroud was better than this kid? Uh, It's so cool. I think it's cool because when we were growing up, the Heisman Trophy was such like a, all right, we're going to decide it by week six and – they will just have that that campaign going for the the last like half of the season the past few years it's been who knows you know going into the last few weeks it's like anyone really I you could convince me that Matt Corral could come back and win I mean I really do think it's really going to be Bryce Young or, or CJ at this point but it's it's been so close I mean Kenneth Walker was in the mix going into the Ohio State game so it's uh I think that's way more fun I think that's the better way to do it um, I don't know how we we continue that type of comp- competitiveness for an award like that. It's very arbitrary, but um, I like it better this way. And I'm, I'm really excited to see how it plays out. But I'm in agreement. I think Stroud's in the lead right now. I think it's still just a, it could be a toss up. And I, I love that about the Heisman Trophy nowadays. Um, we'll move on to your question surrounding the annual games of the current holiday. Yes. So. Um, when you're listening to this, it might be Thanksgiving. You might listen to it after, but Thanksgiving's on the mind. Um, and when I think of Thanksgiving, I obviously think of turkey, the food, family, all that. But I also think of football. And when you, you got the NFL games, you got a few college games, but I'm talking NFL games. We always know two teams are going to be playing that day. The Detroit Lions are going to play. The Dallas Cowboys are going to play. My question is, why? Why do should they? Why do we have to have these teams playing every year? Slash, should they play every year? Because as someone that's not a fan of either team, I'm like, what does it matter if we're trying to grow the game? Which I don't know if they are or not. Why are we rolling out the Detroit Lions? No offense, but like, so like, there's some people that don't watch football all year. They turn on at their grandma's house because cousin Ricky's like, hey, football's on. They they've got the Detroit Lions. They're their impression of the NFL in 2021 might be Jared Goff against Andy Dalton. And I, I don't know. That's a bad impression. Just, I, I like Jared Goff. I'm okay with Andy Dalton, but man, that's a rough impression. So um, should, should this be the case where we've got the Lions every year on Thanksgiving and the Cowboys? Uh, Cowboys are on a little better boat right now, but you're, you're a Lions expert. So I want to hear from you about these annual Thanksgiving games. Uh, short answer is no, obviously not. The Lions don't deserve an annual spot in one of the best sports days of the year. Uh, the long answer, the Cowboys, maybe, I mean, certainly still America's team. And I would guess like the average football fan that isn't like affiliated with one of the teams, uh, like that, like if they're not a city, like that's my city team, they're probably a Cowboys fan. That's like the average fan is probably a Cowboys fan. So I, I'm okay with them being, uh, they're usually pretty good. 
uh, that I'm okay with them getting it. Now, for the Lions, no. The continuously one of the worst franchises in NFL history, no. They don't deserve to be rewarded. Uh, they don't deserve to be the first game on Thanksgiving at the same time, too, it, when they consistently get blown out in that first game and people are turning it off. Uh, uh, I feel bad as a Lions fan because there's, I'm sure, a bunch of fan bases that don't feel – don't have the feel of Thanksgiving being a sports day because their team just never plays on Thanksgiving. They haven't gotten in the rotation yet. It's like, oh, but, but the Lions are on it every year. I get that feeling, and it it's not worth it for me. I mean, we just don't we don't do anything with it. Uh, I I have a few like good memories of being the Packers when I was really young. Um, that's it though, and I don't think like that tradition and those good memories that I have supersedes like taking away memories from other people because like we could have the Packers and the the Cardinals playing on Thanksgiving and having a a great all around matchup, but we're going to watch the lions stink it up again. And, you know, maybe we get to see them get their first win of the year. Is that a big enough storyline for the NFL to keep them in Thanksgiving games? I don't think so. I think we need to start looking at like, Hey, Uh, the tradition of having the worst team play on one of our biggest days, the day that the most eyes, the most, the most eyes that are not on us regularly are on us on that day. We're going to use our worst franchise to market our our product. No, I don't, I don't think that we should do that anymore. Uh, And I don't feel bad. I'm I'm also a, a very different Lions fan where I'm very realistic with how this franchise is. They suck. They've sucked for a really long time. And I don't think at any point we should be getting anything that even a regular NFL franchise gets because we, we need to be, we need to be kicked into shape a little bit before we start getting some of the perks of being an NFL franchise. So the Cowboys can have a pass for now, but yeah, you can take the lions out of the rotation. I'm completely fine with it. Maybe we won't be the laughing stock of Thanksgiving every year. Um, But what, what are your thoughts? uh, I agree. I think the Cowboys are fine, especially like this year's Cowboys team. They're fun to watch. Dak's a pleasure at quarterback. He's awesome. Their offense, like, you show someone that's not necessarily a football fan, you show them the Cowboys, like, oh, wow, this team, they, they know how to do the old pigskin. Like, hey, this ain't too bad. And they're playing the Raiders. Like, that. the Raiders aren't terrible. They're kind of vanilla, but that's okay. After the year the Raiders have had, they can be vanilla. Um, the Lions, though, I mean – I just like I enjoyed Matthew Stafford and Megatron. They had Reggie Bush for a little while in Detroit. Like there's there's been some fun players in Detroit. Like, since we've been alive, there's been what one or two good years. And there's I've watched the Lions for 24 Thanksgivings. That seems like too many. I, I wish the NFL would go in the route of the NBA with Christmas because I look forward to NBA Christmas because you're getting good games every year. And there's, there's like seven of them, which is awesome. But you can't do seven football games. Three football games is plenty. Um, you put the best teams and the best matchups on the big day. Like, I remember um, we got Heat Lakers on Christmas one year. Kobe against the big three in Miami. That was incredible. And the NBA just does things like that every year. Give us Mahomes Rodgers on Thanksgiving. That's the first Super Bowl. The Packers and Chiefs, you can play off traditions, stuff like that. Give us big rivalries. Give us Cowboys Steelers. That's the two biggest fan bases in the NFL. Give us that on Thanksgiving. Not Cowboys. I mean, Cowboys Raiders is a big matchup. That's two huge fan bases. But I don't know if there's really any, like, rivalry behind it. I'm not 
really caught up on my Cowboys rivalry, rivalry lore or saying for the Raiders. I'm sure they don't like each other because the Raiders like literally no one but the Raiders. Um, and then Saints-Bills will be fine. It'll probably be boring because the Saints, their whole team's hurt. They don't have anybody playing. Like Kamara just got rolled out. They have, I guess Trevor Simeon's going to play quarterback. I, I'm, I assume Jameis isn't going to play quarterback. Um, so Josh Allen will probably put on a show, which is honestly fine. The, the Bills are an up-and-coming team with a lot of fun players. So if people are watching the late game, they'll get to see Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs put on a show. But I, I wish they go kind of in the NBA, put the, put the big matchups on the big stage. So like you said, the Lions don't get embarrassed in front of Cousin Ricky. And they're like, oh, the Lions suck, which they're not wrong. But that doesn't have to be on the national uh, stage every single year. And they, I don't know. It would just make it a bigger stage and more of a sports day, in my opinion. But I don't know. I, I think it's the tradition's also fine too. I don't know. It's not even like a tradition. I guess there's probably some Lions fans that completely disagree with me and say, "No, this is every year I've grown up in Thanksgiving. I've had my Lions on. It's like is that is that fun? Like, have you had a lot of fun watching the Lions the past few years? Because in my yeah, my 24 Thanksgiving experiences." It has been not not fun for most of them, uh, and so I don't understand. I I, I, I don't understand tra- tradition in pro sports is a little different for me too because it just is not the same. It's not it's not college sports. It's easily easily changeable in my opinion, I, and I think you should because it's professional sports. You're trying to make money on it, so you might as well try to market your your game the best as possible. Uh, yeah, they, I honestly don't even think they should decide the Thanksgiving matchups until uh, like week three or week four. So we know what teams are healthy and going to be competitive because, I mean, the Bills Saints probably sounded like a great matchup before the season started. And, and then Jameis got hurt and the Saints kind of fell apart. And, you know, that's, you know, that's kind of what happened. But uh, I, I think, yeah, I think you kind of just schedule those games around you know what you schedule a bunch of games that you think will be fun that week and then as it gets closer you go all right those are the really fun games we're going to bump you up to thanksgiving and that's how you'll do it from then out and if the cowboys want their tradition they can have it i mean that's fine the lions the lions will forfeit our thanksgiving and i will do that on behalf of lions fans we will forfeit our tradition and and allow it to go forward yeah and i i think uh you got america's team but then with the lions they keep Thanksgiving tradition, at least for this year. Make sure they'll go to our, our ideas, I'm sure. Um, but the Lions this year, at least, you get the tradition of keeping bad Thursday football. So we've got very used to bad Thursday night football. It'll just be bad Thursday noon football or 1 o'clock football or whatever it is. Um, so they keep that alive uh, so we can look forward to that. But, yeah, it's, it's something I think the NFL should definitely look at because the Lions don't deserve to get embarrassed every year on – thanksgiving it's just not right it's like put them out to slaughter i don't i don't know it just doesn't seem right but that that's my thing i don't know it's something to keep our eye on as we go forward i agree yeah uh, i don't know if that will ever change but i i'm all for it if the nfl wants to to go go that route if you're looking for a lions fans endorsement you can have it right here go ahead and, and look into it because I, I don't think you're gonna get much pushback from detroit uh, i could be wrong but 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 i think I think we're done getting our, 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 our butts kicked every, every Thanksgiving. Uh, we'll move on to our, uh, yeah, our final main topic, sticking with that Thanksgiving theme we came up with 
lists of what we are thankful for in the sports world this year. Uh, a very wholesome topic to uh, to follow up that little Lions bashing that we had there. So uh, I'll start it off with you. I'll throw it to you first, Dylan. What's the first thing you're thankful for? Josh Heifel. I love that man so much. A year ago, Tennessee football was in such a weird place. Um, I, it wasn't quite this week. It was, it was a few weeks later. It was, it was right around Christmas time. I want to say it was like the 17th of December. It's when the report came out that Tennessee was uh, in trouble for paying players and Jeremy Pruitt was likely on the way out. And it, it really seemed like just the moon or the, the sky was falling on Tennessee football. It seemed like nothing was going to go right. Uh, a few weeks later, Pruitt gets fired. Uh, all these players start transferring. Henry Toto transfers to Alabama. Eric Gray to Oklahoma. Wanya Morris to Oklahoma. Uh, there was like two more players that transferred to Oklahoma, Brandon Johnson, the UCF, like players just like, it was like 30 players transferred. It was like, we don't have a roster. What is going on? Um, and like a random January day, this Hendon hooker guy decided to transfer from Virginia tech. And it's like, who the hell is Hendon hooker? We don't have a head coach. What is going on? And then uh, just a random January morning, like a report came out, Tennessee to hire UCF head coach, Josh Heifel. Tennessee Twitter melted down. They're like, who is this guy? UCF's head coach? They have they haven't done anything since Scott Frost left. They've just got worse and worse and worse. Like all this negativity, because that's what Tennessee fans do. I love them, but they're the most negative people alive. And Josh Heifel came in. He embraced Tennessee, which can be hard when they're being negative about you. He puts his head down, goes to work, goes get Joe Milton, which got everybody excited. We're like, Joe Milton's going to be Cam Newton. Tennessee's going to just surprise everyone. Joe Milton wasn't, but that's okay. Um, we got Hendon Hooker, the guy that we were like, who the hell is Hendon Hooker? Got him in the offense, and things just started going right. Uh, Tennessee hasn't had the best year, but it's a lot better than a lot of people expected. Um, I thought it was going to be terrible this year. I thought Tennessee was going to win maybe like four games. They're on the verge of winning seven. They're going to go to a bowl, which is very, very exciting. I'm really, really, really excited to be in Knoxville on Saturday for senior day. We still don't know if Hendon Hooker is going to go through that which I really hope he doesn't because I hope Hendon's back in Knoxville next year. He could make a lot of noise. He could be in that Heisman talk with uh, CJ and Bryce talking about them because they'll be in the Heisman talk next year. Hendon Hooker could be right there with CJ and Bryce in the Heisman talk next year because of the offense that Josh Heifel has in Knoxville. And that's why Josh Heifel is the first thing I'm thankful for this year. He is my head coach, and I hope he is my head coach at UT for a very long time. Uh, What is the first thing you're thankful for? So the first thing I am thankful for, and hear me out, is the Astros cheating scandal. Because the Astros cheating scandal has all of a sudden become the most beneficial thing for the Detroit Tigers. Because uh, had the Astros not gotten in trouble for their 2017 season run for stealing science, as we all know, uh, the Tigers would not, they would have not had to find another manager. And the Tigers would not have gotten their old manager, which is A.J. Hinch. Uh, A.J. Hinch has come in and just turned around the Tigers. I, I, I don't... I know it's tough to see because the Tigers were still pretty bad this year, but we finished in the middle of a pack of a division where we did not expect to be. uh, And we got all of our young guys up and we're in the right direction. And now all of a sudden we're the best position to sign Carlos Correa of any team in the MLB. And without AJ Hinch, that's not possible without the cheating scandal. That's not possible. So I'm very thankful that the Astros 
decided to cheat in 2017 to win a World Series because now all of a sudden my baseball team, which has been very, very bad for the past few years. I mean, since basically since Verlander left for Houston, uh, we've been not in a spot where we've been even close to competitive and on a like consistent, like, or we need to rebuild, we need to rebuild, we need to rebuild, but like no end to it. We're just consistently drafting pitchers that we think are going to be really good, but not really having an end to it. Now all of a sudden AJ Hinch comes in and I feel, and everything feels like, all right, it's hitting its stride right at the right time. And I think when we signed Eduardo Rodriguez uh, a couple weeks ago from the Red Sox, it was like, all right, things are like, that's a move that a team makes when they're stable. And that's what AJ Hinch has brought to the Tigers. We are a stable franchise now moving in the right direction. The Tigers were not that for a long time. So I'm very happy that they brought him in. So I'm very happy that the Astros decided to cheat in 2017. So I'm thankful that the Astros uh, did not play by the rules in 2017. I'm maybe one of the very few baseball fans that can say that. Uh, But (laughs) I am thankful for that. Uh, What is your second thing you're thankful for this year? I am thankful for Derek Henry. And I, I know this might seem like an obvious one, but I've been lucky enough to be able to watch Derek Henry play football for the past like seven years or whatever, since he was at Alabama tearing it up and I hated his guts. I absolutely hated Derrick Henry for three or four years, however long he was at Alabama. Goes to the, wins the Heisman, uh, comes out, comes to the draft, Titans draft. I'm like, all right, I guess I have to like Derrick Henry. Since I'm getting youth, I was like, all right, is he going to be good? Turns out Derrick Henry is awesome. Um, I think almost like I everyone knows how good Derrick Henry is and all he's done for the Titans. But I almost think people took for granted how great he was because it was a week-by-week thing. Him going down a few weeks ago, I don't know. It, it really – and watching the Titans, how much they've struggled on offense, it's like, whoa, Derrick Henry makes such a big impact because Ryan Tannehill, God bless him, he's my quarterback. But man, he has struggled without Derrick Henry. He has not looked good at all. And I, I, he doesn't have Julio. A.J. Brown sat out a lot last week. But man – Derrick Henry opened up a lot of things for Ryan Tannehill with read options, play action, a lot of stuff, and not having him, it really makes you count your blessings uh, for when he's there. So, yeah, uh, I, I want to first bless the doctors that operated on him because apparently Derek's, uh, it went really well, and I hope he recovers quickly and he's back before the playoffs. Cause man, Derrick Henry is amazing. He's one of a kind, and I am so, so, so thankful for Derrick Henry. Uh, what is the second thing you are thankful for? I am thankful for the future of Michigan football and basketball. Uh, Well, we'll get into my worries for the Ohio State game this weekend, this current week. Uh, Michigan is finally putting together a list of recruits that just might be able to compete with those top dogs one day. Uh, We've got five-star corner Damani Jackson visiting this weekend for for the Ohio State game, Uh, former USC commit. Uh, hopefully we can add him to a class that already has another five-star corner and Will Johnson from Gross Point South. Um, and then you add on five-star uh, quarterback, JJ McCarthy, who's obviously already on the squad. You're finally starting to see some of that high caliber talent. And that's what really Michigan has lacked in the, in the battle with Ohio state. It, you, you can go back and a lot of people want to see, well, is it horrible? Is it this, is it that? They've just had a lot of five-star kids, and we really haven't had that. We've had maybe one or two on on our team at max. We've got to have four or five or six. You know, that's just the way it's going to have to be if we want to compete with a team like Ohio State. And I finally feel like Harbaugh's starting to do that. 
Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see what that team turns out to be. I think, you know, not many, not many programs in the country have multiple five stars that they're, they're waiting to see how they pan out. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to see how that turns out. And in Michigan basketball, while we haven't looked great out of the box this year, I have a lot, I still have a lot of high expectations for this program. Uh, we still have the number three recruiting class last year. We have the, we're sitting at number six in recruiting this year. Uh, and they just have so much young talent. And I think so highly of Coach Howard uh, and the direction of the program that they're taking. I mean, uh, two five-star recruits uh, that are on the, on the squad right now. I think Musa Diabate, you've probably all, everyone's seen at least one of his highlights at this point because he's done some sick things. Uh, uh, and Caleb Houston's had a real tough time getting off, uh, getting going in his freshman season, but still immensely talented. I think really highly of him. And I think, you know, when Beeline left, I thought so, like, I was like, oh, no, there, this is not, this, all. everything he built is all of a sudden going to go away because hiring that right college basketball coach is very hard to do sometimes. Uh, there's a lo- large list. It's, I, I actually think it's easier to get the college football coach a lot of the times because you can kind of tell who the next guy is going to be. There's a short list. There's a long list of guys in college basketball that you have to sort through to pick the best uh, guy. And I couldn't be happier with what Juwan Howard's done so far in his time. So um, I'm happy and thankful that the outlook in Michigan seems pretty bright right now. I'm I'm really excited to see where Michigan stands uh, come two or three years down the road. Uh, throw it to you for your final thing on the list. What do you? Was the final thing you were thankful for this year? The the final thing I'm thankful for this year is small market teams, and I'm talking both pro and. Uh, colleges whether it be mid-majors or uh whatever well it's mid-majors it's not gonna be a big time school i guess eh, not really um i guess he could have a big school in a small market um but these uh these teams uh and schools that might not get the most attention that they maybe should like something that caught my eye yesterday ja was uh the feature of a nike commercial and the commercial was centered around Memphis, which Jaws did a great job of embracing Memphis. He did that when he was in Murray, embraced Murray, went to Memphis, he's embraced Memphis. And it was basically saying all these things like, you can't win a title in a small market. You can't do this. You can't do that. And Jaws like, says who? And I think that's kind of uh, the mentality that a lot of players have in these small markets. And Jaw lives by it. And I think it's something that as we get further along in time, you can do things in small markets. We've seen smaller teams thrive in sport in college sports and uh, professional sports too. Like Milwaukee, the Bucks just won a championship. We don't really think of that as a big market marquee uh, city in the NBA. Uh, and I think just kind of those franchises, those schools, they don't always get the the credit they deserve uh, and the love they deserve. I think people like Ja, people like Lamelo and Charlotte, they're finally getting that shine on uh, those cities. Uh, job with Murray State, getting some shine on Murray State. Now, I always love that, be, being someone from a smaller place in the country. Love seeing that. So, yeah, very, very thankful for the small market teams and schools and so on and so forth. They deserve their love. Uh, so, yeah, I'll throw it to you for your last thing you're thankful for. Final thing I'm thankful for is just this time of year as a sports fan. The rivalry weekend rolls into the college basketball season, and then it rolls right into – a big mass of bowl games uh, that lead into the NFL playoffs, the college football playoffs, the conference schedule for college basketball. And then, I mean, it all just keeps rolling. So once Thursday hits, it's really just nonstop sports action for us uh, until 
the, the until January, basically. We've got the Egg Bowl on Thursday. We've got good college football games on Friday. Uh, and then obviously the rivalry games on Saturday into meaningful NFL games because from week 12 on is really when the NFL gets really meaningful and you kind of see the matchups that really mean something. Uh, we're getting into December, uh, which is obviously college football bowl season. And, you know, there's just so much fun stuff surrounding the sports world around this time. So obviously I'm a big fan of the the Thanksgiving to Christmas time period, but as a sports fan, I think, I said this about the November time period, but this might be one of the more underrated time periods when you get the late season college football games into bowl season, college basketball seasons, like well underway and you're getting a meaningful NFL games. It's like all of the best sports giving you the best of what you want. So uh, I'm happy for it. Not leaving out uh, the NBA or NHL. Uh, because that's obviously going on too as well. But I'm very happy, very excited uh, to get into it uh, as Thursday rolls around. So awesome stuff there. Uh, We will move on uh, to this week in sports. Uh, Big week in contracts this week in sports as a pair of 10-year deals got handed out to a couple of different people uh, in the college football world. James Franklin got a 10-year deal from Penn State to extend his Rain as the Nittany Lions head coach, while the Rays handed out a 10-year deal to a rookie sensation, Wander Franco. Uh, Dylan, I'll just throw it to you. What were your reactions to both of the deals? I hate the James Franklin deal. I love the Wander Franco deal. Um, I think it's a slam dunk getting Wander Franco uh, locked down in Tampa for a long time. That just seems like a no-brainer. He's been awesome. I, I, I saw the stats on Twitter. I think he's only played like 70 games. Who cares? I, we've seen what he's done. We saw what he did in the postseason. That guy is awesome. He's 20. And he's doing some of these things, uh, stepping up in Boston in the postseason, one of the most hostile places to play in all of baseball, be able to do that. And uh, I, I watched an interview and listened to an interview with Tyler Glasnow yesterday, and he talked about how good of a teammate Wander is. That, I, Tyler Glasnow, he's a star in the MLB. He did not have to say that. And he went out of his way to kind of praise Wander and say he might be one of the best players he's ever been around. Tyler Glasnow's played baseball for a little while. He's been around some pretty good players. And for him to have that kind of praise from Wander already is awesome. And I, I'm very, very excited to see Wander's career play out in Tampa. And I hope he's very good because it seems like he's going to be awesome. James Franklin's contract on the other side, I'm not a huge fan. Because it's kind of like, what has Penn State done where James Franklin has earned this huge contract? Because it seems like if you ask anyone, Penn State should be competing at the top of the Big Ten, trying to make the college football playoff. And I understand the, the expectation. It never feels like they're really, really even in, like, the stratosphere of that. I, like, I feel like they're, like, a uh, whole section below Ohio State and Michigan and Michigan State. And there might be some teams in between them and Penn State uh, in the Big Ten. I don't know. I just, I just don't feel like that one's going to age well. The Wander one, I think, I can't blame Tampa at all. Now, James Franklin, I don't know. That one, I guess they want to lock him down and not let him leave because there's a lot of coaching jobs on them. That might have been – Penn State might have put themselves in a hole in a couple of years when they have another year like they had in the COVID-shortened season last year because they were not good last year, and James Franklin kind of found himself in a weird spot. They've been all right this year, but they haven't been, like, just, like, setting the world on fire. I don't know. That one was head-scratching to me, but I'm not – as synced in with Big Ten as like you are other people. So I don't know. The I wasn't crazy about that one. The Wander, 
that that was a good move by Tampa, I think. I, it's a lot of money for a guy that's only played 70 games, but I think we've known about Wander for a little while. He seems like he's the real deal. Uh, what are your thoughts on the two big contracts? Yeah, uh, I think it's really interesting. I'll start with James Franklin because I'm, I'm on the same page with you. I, I didn't, I wasn't a fan of the James Franklin de- deal. Uh, bigger fan of the Wander Franco deal. I understand where both of the deals come from in terms of, you know, just locking up James Franklin, not letting him go to another spot. Uh, I think it's interesting how the like national narrative surrounding James Franklin and Jim Harbaugh is so wildly different. Like, Billy James Franklin gets mentioned with these LSU jobs and stuff. It's like, oh, he seems like the the next big thing where, you know, Jim Harbaugh has had more success on the field than James Franklin. He's beat Penn State more times than James Franklin's beat Michigan. Uh, and they've, you know, I, I know James Frank, they, they did win a Big Ten championship while Michigan hasn't, but that's a, it's a different story when you're, you're not, your your biggest rival isn't Ohio State. It's it's a very different story uh, when you get to play Ohio State at home in the middle of the year when you can kind of catch them off guard a little bit. Where Michigan always gets them at the end of the year when they're making their playoff run. It's uh, it's an unfortunate thing around Michigan. Uh, not taking away anything from what James Franklin's done, but I think we all see uh, we all see the same thing. He's not overly great I think it's the same thing that we talked about with Jim Harbaugh a a couple weeks ago whenever I asked that question is you know what else are you going to get in terms of Penn State if you're going to move on from James Franklin if you're not going to extend his contract then what's the you know what are you going to do because he was most likely going to take the USC or the LSU job if you didn't extend him in the offseason so what's your next move if you think James Franklin's and I don't know if there's the, the coaching pool, the, 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 the available pool of guys that you think you could hire is not, and no one, I don't think anyone sticks out to you as better than James Franklin right now. I don't see anyone where you're going to go unless you're going to swing someone from a bigger job, which I just don't think is going to be possible right now. So I understand locking up James Franklin, not letting him go to LSU or, uh, or USC. Uh, I think it's the same thing that Michigan state is considering with Mel Tucker is like, yeah, he might not be an hundred million dollar coach, but he's definitely the best we're going to find right now. And if we don't give him this money now, someone will. So it's kind of, you know, what are we going to do? It's we're either going to restart and try to find someone else at at a different price point, or we can just pay for what we have right now. So I understand the James Franklin deal. I just, I think 10 years is far too much. I think obviously you should. I like the Mel Tucker because I feel like Mel Tucker still has potential. I feel like we know what we got with James Franklin at Penn State. He's been there long enough. We've kind of figured it out. I I don't know. I I also understand your reasoning of like, hey, if you don't give it to him, someone else might, which this is the year that very likely someone else would. And they've got him locked down to where he won't. Hopefully he doesn't leave now. And that'd be, that'd be a wild move. Sign the extension, peace out. But yeah, I'll let you continue. Yeah, I don't think. Uh, yeah, I think it's more of just uh, we gotta secure what we have now and, and wait till something better pops up. Because you know, I don't think Penn State. If you ask them, they're, they're a six and five season is not what they expected out of Dane Franklin this year. On the same token. If next year it's going to be way worse than that, they'll they'll take James Franklin in a heartbeat. So uh, they'll 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 stick with the stability that James Franklin gives them, and I I can't blame them for that. I think Michigan's in a very similar situation with Jim Harbaugh, where you know we might not have a very high ceiling anymore, but 
uh, we're, we have a very high floor at the same time. So that's a good thing. But the Wander deal, the Wander Franco deal, obviously. I, and I think that's going to be more of a, a regular thing now in the MLB as scouting just gets better. I think we've seen like with Ozzy Albies and now Wander Franco, uh, these top prospects aren't like, we're not missing on these prospects anymore. We knew Wander Franco was going to be really good. They kept telling us, hey, this guy's insane. This guy's really, really, really good. And then he came up and he was really, really, really good. And he is, I don't think we're going to, the top prospects from now on are going to be the best players from now on. They're not, we're not getting fooled on these guys. They're not going to get to the MLB and all of a sudden be bust and like, oh God, we were so wrong on this guy. We usually have a pretty good idea of who the best players are going to be in the next few years, which makes me pretty happy because the Tigers have a couple of those guys in their in their farm system right now with uh, Spencer Torkelson and Riley Green. But I I I think as an MLB fan, as a baseball fan, just get more used to you know when these young guys come up and start tearing it up that they're not going to wait around anymore, which is good. I hate the opposite, where it's like we're going to extend the service time, we're going to ship guys away to make sure we don't have to pull uh, pay them their full amounts. Uh, we're going to extend their service time, keep repeating it over and over again so that we don't have to sign that that big contract. The Rays are the opposite. They're like, all right, Wander, we know how good you are. We're going to give you the money now. Like before you ex- you use up all that service time and we have to pay you in arbitration, we're just going to do it now. And, and, and that I think that's the better way to do it. And I think it's going to uh, fix a lot of things. We might avoid a lockout because of that type of stuff if, you, if we can uh, figure that type of stuff out. So um I'm all for that in the baseball realm. I think I see both sides of, of the James Franklin thing. I, I don't I don't think I would be excited as a Penn State fan saying like, oh God, we just gave 10 years to James Franklin. At the same time, I would be more excited with James Franklin than without James Franklin at this point. I would not want to go into the head coaching search this offseason right now, trying to outcompete the USC's and the LSU's of the world. So I, I see both sides of it. I, I can't blame them for making that move. All right. Finally, we will get into our college football picks for the week. Dylan has us picking the Bedlam game between Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. I have the game between Michigan and Ohio State. And the fans have us picking between the Iron Bowl between Auburn and Alabama. We'll start with the Iron Bowl. Roll Tide versus War Eagle. Who do you like in this one, Dylan? Bryce Young goes off. I think he's going to go crazy. If Bo Nix was playing in this game, I think I would pick Auburn. But Bo Nix got hurt against Mississippi State. He's not going to play. Um, so I think I, Alabama's got to win big. They got to make an impact after not a great look against Arkansas, in my, in my opinion. Bryce Young looked great. The rest of the team, that defense did not look great against Arkansas. Which I know Arkansas's got a good offense, but, man, I, I think they got to strap their boots and get ready for war, which that's how the Iron Bowl always is. But I think Alabama's going to win. Who do you have in the Iron Bowl? Yeah, I got Alabama as well. It's tough. Uh, it's tough playing Bama in these picks because unless they're playing a Georgia or something like that, it's really not interesting. Bama, like, is the easy pick in this one. And I, they're one of those teams that I even said it when I picked the Iron Bowl earlier. It's like, I don't always think that Alabama can beat Auburn. I, I still am at like 99%, but like, Alabama is one of those teams where I don't think they're going to get upset this year. I think it's going to come down to that Georgia game that is going to come to what is going to keep them from the playoffs. If something does keep them from the playoffs, I don't think it's going to be Auburn this weekend. I like Alabama. 
on to the Big 12 battle between the one-loss Oklahoma team, Oklahoma teams, I'm sorry, Dylan, Cowboys or Sooners in the I'm going to go Cowboys. They're both. I did not realize Oklahoma State only had one loss. And uh, I think they've kind of flew under the radar this year, which is A-OK in my book. It's, uh, it's at Oklahoma State, and I think that's going to give them an edge in a big old rivalry game. Oklahoma's going to look to kind of impress some people as we get closer to bowl season. I don't think it's going to matter. I think Oklahoma State's going to impress some people. I think they're going to get a big win on Saturday night. Who do you have at Bedlam? I also have the Oklahoma State Cowboys. I, you know, I agree. I think Oklahoma State has flown under the radar for a lot of people. And I've never, I haven't been sold on Oklahoma at all this year. I've always thought that, you know, once a good team was able to come around and beat the, uh, give them a run for their money, that they would have a a tough time. Uh, I did not expect it against, uh, when, when did they lose? Baylor. Baylor, of course. I did not expect it against Baylor. I did pick Oklahoma against Baylor. I do think that Oklahoma State is just a bit bit better than Baylor, so I like Oklahoma State in this game. I think they hand the Sooners their second loss. And then it's going to be really interesting how that fourth spot in the playoffs shakes up after, you know, Michigan, Ohio State play, Bama, and Georgia play. There's going to be a one-loss Big 12 team and that uh, most likely an undefeated Cincinnati team uh, at the end of it. So it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. All right, finally – the game, the last game between Michigan and Ohio State in Ann Arbor this week, and I'll be down there in Ann Arbor uh, to see what inevitably happens. <laughs> Dylan, who do you like in the game this weekend? I like Ohio State. I would love to pick Michigan in this one as I've, I've been able to follow Michigan a little more intently this year, and I, I think they've got a really good team. I think Ohio State's just out for blood, and they have been the last few years against Michigan specifically, but right now it's whoever Ohio State's playing they're going out there to bludgeon them. And unfortunately, it's a big rivalry week and a big game. And I think C.J. Shroud and that crazy wide receiver core are going to put up a lot of points, and Michigan's not going to be able to keep up. So I got the Buckeyes in that one. I think you got in the big rivalry game this weekend. Yeah, I, I told you when I, I selected this game earlier in the week, my, my head tells me Ohio State. I've said all year that I expect Ohio State to win this game, but I cannot – bear to see my face next to Ohio State on that graphic so I will go with Michigan I will just tell you what I think the keys are for Michigan to win because I don't think they're going to win I don't like I actually don't think they're going to win but I want them to win but here's what they need to do to win they're going to need to sack CJ Stroud two three four times Aiden Hutchinson's going to need to get home maybe a strip sack in there, force a turnover in somewhere. We're going to need at least two to three turnovers from CJ Stroud. I want, and I think that's the big part is that needs to happen early so that CJ Stroud is gun shy moving into the second half. If we can get him just a little bit off of, of his regular game plan, that he's a little bit, you know, not as confident in his throws, that can be all the difference because I think Cade McNamara is going to be extremely confident uh, Harbaugh is going to get the guys up ready to play this game. I think this is going to be the best game that they've ever played. Uh, that's just the unfortunate thing with Ohio State. We could play a perfect game and still lose by like two touchdowns because that's just how their offense is. It's built to score a lot of points. I really don't know if our offense can't if if they score at just an average rate. I don't know if our offense can score with them. So we're going to need some mistakes from the Ohio State side. I'm hoping we get it. I'm going to pick Michigan. I don't like my chances in that one, but uh, I got to go with my heart. I, I can't, I just can't, 
if Michigan and Ohio State are on a graphic, I can't see my face on the Ohio State logo and not on the Michigan one. So I got to go with Michigan. Uh, all right, that will do it from us here at the Dylan and Dylan Show. Dylan, any final thoughts before we go? Uh, like you, I'm very, very excited for this weekend. I'm excited for the next few days. Thanksgiving, just spend a lot of time with family, eat a lot of food, watch football, watch basketball, watch all the sports that are on. Uh, but Saturday, uh, headed to Knoxville with my brothers and my uh, dad. Going to watch Tennessee Vanderbilt, uh, kind of a rivalry game, I guess. Very one-sided rivalry in-state. Um, but most importantly, senior night for a lot of seniors in Tennessee that deserve recognition because they have went through the gauntlet in Knoxville. It has been a really, really weird time for a lot of them because they've had, like a lot of them came in with Butch Jones, dealt with Jeremy Pruitt, and then now they've got the, maybe the start of something special with Josh Heupel. So uh, they deserve the recognition and hopefully what's a blowout victory where Tennessee scores like 70 points and just a nice cap before whatever bowl they get selected to. So very, very excited to get back to Neyland Stadium for the first time in like two years. Been way too long since I've been there. So really, really excited to get back to Knoxville. Really excited for Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Uh, anything you're looking forward to or you need to add before we're out of here? Yeah, I'm just looking forward to a fun weekend. Uh, obviously, Thursday with Thanksgiving and all the NFL games and the Egg Bowl going on there. On Friday, I'm going to downtown Detroit to cover the uh, – Michigan high school state championship games. Uh, so that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited to see a lot of the best high school talent here in Michigan. And then we've got Michigan, Ohio state, obviously on Saturday. So, uh, you know, obviously looking forward to that. Dylan's got one more thing. I got one more thing. Mississippi state is not beating Ole Miss. I had to get my Mississippi state slander in here. I've, ever since I started slandering Mississippi state a few weeks ago, when they got put in the college playoff, they've looked incredible. So I'm going to keep slandering them. If they want to beat Lane Kiffin, so be it. But I had to get it in. Uh, Ole Miss by like 20. I think Ole Miss is the better team, which means Mississippi State's going to win. I, it makes no sense to me how I've started slandering Mississippi State and they've been awesome. I, I don't I don't get it. Had to get that in there, though. They were listening in. That's just how it works, man. Uh, <laughs> all right. That is going to do it from us uh, from the Dylan and Dylan show. Uh, you can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at Dylan Dylan show. You can find tunnel vision sports on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at underscore TV sports, Facebook and LinkedIn uh, at tunnel vision sports and on the web at TV Have a wonderful Thanksgiving, everyone enjoy your rivalry week and we will see you next week. Have a good one.